Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Football is back, and BetOnline is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all of the up-to-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, folks, welcome in. This is Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast, where we talk about entertainment, media, and sports law and management topics. This is episode 40 of season five, and as always, appreciate you being with us and making us number one sports law podcast in the world for three years running. So I'm actually uh, calling in from uh, and doing the podcast here from New York, um, here out here for a metaverse conference uh, with the um, New York State Bar Association and uh, California Lawyers Association, but a uh, terrific conference, um, doing a panel on uh, entertainment law, and then another panel um, the next day on um, um, sort of NFTs and the metaverse and uh, some other uh, topics in, in, in the legal space. But very interesting uh, topic that we'll have uh, for today, uh, which is this idea of you know, if, if folks who are um, Major League Baseball or baseball fans, uh, which seems to be a dwindling uh, number these days, but there still is a, quite a few number of baseball fans out there uh, notified by the increase in attendance this year with Major League Baseball. And I always find it fascinating that when you take the Dodgers, for example, who who have led the league in attendance, I think, for the past 10 years or so, and are consistently in the top five, if not the top two or three. And what always surprises me is that the Dodgers still pull in, I think this year was 3.8 million fans. Um, I think usually it's a little over 4 million, was down a little bit this year, uh, which is sort of a misnomer because the numbers were up across baseball. But I think what's interesting about the Dodgers is the sense that you know, still despite the traffic that you have to deal with in LA, despite the uh, difficulties of getting to the game, the parking, everything else, uh, difficulties of getting out of the stadium, I think that uh, it's still surprising to me that um, you know that that many fans do show up. And I've always thought that it'd be terrific if um, if the Dodgers could be in a situation where they could have a stadium in downtown. And have the subways connect to it. Yes, uh, Los Angeles does have, does have subways, 
um, is that it'd be a situation where uh, there might be more accessibility and you might have more fans near and in around the stadium uh, with easier access, right? And when you see very popular stadiums that are sold out, uh, for the most part, you look at Fenway Park, you look at Wrigley Field, um, you know, and even Yankee Stadium, where you have uh, clearly access to uh, public transportation near the stadium. You have bars and pubs and restaurants that are right around the stadium. That's just not something that occurs for the most part in Los Angeles, um, and particularly also in Anaheim with the Angels. It is something that occurs with uh, the Giants in San Francisco, and it is something that occurs with the Padres in uh, San Diego because they've built uh, towns and little communities, if you will, or villages around those stadiums. Um, so when we look at this, you know, the, the numbers show uh, that baseball did increase in attendance this year, uh, and that was great news for baseball. Uh, but what we're going to talk about today is this sort of three ideas that come to mind in talking about this, the ability to um, improve baseball attendance or continue to improve it. Improve it. And uh, to me, there's three ways to do this, to, to increase attendance with Major League Baseball or, or at least continue the, uh, the upward trend, if you will. And, you know, for me, I'll sort of start out with this idea that this is something that we've been talking about the last few weeks the sort of combination between entertainment and sports. And to me, I find that these sort of entertainment and sports continues to be uh, intermingled in many ways. And this was highlighted recently in um, a front office sports article where there was a Dana White quote in there from UFC. And it was talking about this new sphere in Las Vegas, right? This new beautiful venue. And it's mostly made for uh, entertainment, right? So music and um, whatever other entertainment they want to throw in there. But Dana White was making the pitch, so to speak, informally, or maybe formally through the press, if you will, but making this comment that, hey, wouldn't this be fantastic if we could use this venue for a UFC match or something else? And clearly the venue would fit it, and it would be um, sort of a marvelous experience if you think about it uh, as you're watching a concert or a sports match uh, to be able to see it in that venue. And to me, it's sort of, again, this highlight of combining sport and entertainment, realizing that fans want to have an experience. This also means that, and again, we've talked about this in the past, where you're looking at athletes as Hollywood producers. So you know, Kevin Durant or LeBron James with production companies, you're looking at television personalities. So, you know, whether that be might be athletes who go into uh, the film and entertainment business, uh, talking about air, you know, on-air talent, if you're talking about folks who uh, are sort of on NBC or ABC or Fox doing, um, you know, analysis, you know, color commentary, if you will. And of course, there's also this growing market for athletes becoming something more off the field, you know, business owners, this sort of thing, which is fantastic to see. And, and it really goes to, I think, education, it goes to responsibility, all these things that I think athletes, you know, so, so much driving for perfection on the field. Um, and then it, it is just wonderful to be able to see that off the field as well. And it's also true, and we talked about this recently, that sports as a property has become a convertible asset, meaning that sports, when you sort of film them, um, a sort of live property, right? You see that on television, but then also you see this idea of the ability to use it for highlights, the ability to use it 
for documentaries, the ability to use sports situations in movies. Um, even if this is sort of a colorful example, but if you look at um, the film 80 for Brady, right, where you have uh, some women who are um, essentially after retirement, but they they love Tom Brady and they kind of follow him around. But they use sort of real life situation of the Super Bowl with the Patriots versus the Falcons and use that around a situation of these women and their lives. And so that's just one example. But um, and of course, we talked about last week, this idea of the NFL coming together with Skydance Sports, uh, which is owned by uh, Skydance Media, which is traditionally an entertainment property. So again, my point is that there's this combination between sports and entertainment. And where does this all play out? Well, uh, to me, I think baseball, particularly Major League Baseball, can learn from the NFL. Uh, it can learn from some of the other leagues, and it can learn from entertainment. So what do I mean by that? Well, we all know, again, uh, that Major League Baseball sort of had an experience or a renaissance, if you will, this year in terms of a increased attendance. In my mind, there was two reasons for that. The first was uh, this idea of rule changes, uh, which we've uh, written about and spoke about spoke about on this podcast. So rule changes. So one was to increase the size of the the um, the bases, first, uh, second, and third base, uh, to where you had I think it was an extra inch or two, uh, which of course in a game of inches you're talking about more safe calls, uh, which means more base runners, which means more hits, stolen bases. Of course, the bases being bigger means that when somebody steals, they have um, they can have less time to get to the bag and be safe. Uh, and of course, there was the um, the pitch timer, pitch clock, to speed up the game. Of course, uh, the, the the regulation of shifting, to where you can't be in a situation, you know, where you're putting four infielders on one side, if you will. Uh, if there's a, a batter who likes to hit to a certain side of the diamond. And all these things led to um, increasing the game. Of course, there's limitations on relief pitchers and they have to face so many batters. Okay, so that was a huge thing in terms of uh, shorting, shortening the game and increasing viewership because there was a direct correlation there, right? The numbers showed, the data showed that if you, because the game was increasing in time, less fans were interested in it. And this is true across the board in other sports and in content and everything. You know, folks now want to have content immediately. They don't want to be delayed. And, you know, usually more than two hours of something is is uh, going to lose engagement, right? So that's the first thing. I think the second reason why baseball increased in attendance this year um, was the sort of move to direct-to-consumer streaming. So, of course, Diamond Sports Group, which owned a lot of the um, regional sports networks, uh, really stumbled this year. Um, I think even more so than in recent years, we've seen a dip in traditional cable uh, purchase and, and sort of use and more of a move towards streaming. But this year it really sort of um, hit a pinnacle, meaning that it was essentially going one way or the other. Um, you know, it, it, it was getting to a point where clearly the numbers were moving down and then ultimately um, that point was met. And uh, you had teams like the Padres and the Diamondbacks um, really getting away from Diamond Sports Group and moving more towards, we're essentially going to control our own distribution. And of course, this was all done through Major League Baseball and MLB.TV and this ability for 
Uh, usually what happens with MLB.TV is that if you're in the market, uh, you cannot watch the in-market team. So if you're in LA, you can't watch Dodgers. If you're in Orange County, you can't watch the Angels. If you're in um, you know, New York, you can't watch the Yankees, this sort of thing, right? On that app. Um, but if you're out of town, you can watch it. So what MLB did was they said, hey, look, for a certain price, you can watch this team uh, in market. And and it seemed to be a great success and also increase attendance. And we'll come back to that in a minute as to where I think this direct-to-consumer thing is going. But of course, I think that beyond that, you know, Major League Baseball really, um, they want to keep attendance growing for the 2024 season and beyond. Um, I think there's some important points to this. Uh, and, and again, as I sort of start out as a base here before getting into the three things where I think Major League Baseball can do to increase attendance, as a baseline, just want to mention that obviously keeping with the current rule changes is important. Can't move back on that, right? Can't rescind those. I think it's important that um, that these things continue to move forward. The three things I think that are also imperative for Major League Baseball to look at is number one, nationwide television production slash distribution, following more of the uh, National Football League model. Uh, second is increased sports betting operations to encourage engagement and spending near ballparks, which we'll get into. And the third is really shortened playoff windows with two additional playoff teams per league. So um, two for the American and two for the national which uh, we will sort of break down and explain why these three things are important. And of course, there's other reasons, other explanations, but I think in terms of what we're talking about today, I want to focus on these points. So what do I mean when I talk about national television production? Well, there was a great book by a guy named, um, was Michael Shapiro, and he was uh, this idea of uh, bottom of the ninth and uh, sort of was the name of the book. And I've talked about it on this podcast before. I've written about it. By um, uh, the book was about Branch Rickey, and uh, who was a former Dodgers executive, of course, in Brooklyn, and then of course former Cardinals and Pirates executive. Essentially, the sort of creator or father of, if you will, of the farm system. Um, also integrated the game with Jackie Robinson. You know, so just a very, very well known and successful general manager, and. What was sort of interesting about um, Branch Rickey was he sort of talked about Major League Baseball back in the 1960s moving more towards a National Football League model, which was sort of, sort of national model. And he feared that baseball was becoming a regional game. And unfortunately, that's what's occurred, is that baseball has focused on sort of this regionality, if you will, or you know, regional game. So saying you know, folks in LA will watch the Dodgers, folks in New York watch the Yankees, Folks in Florida watch, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays or the or the Miami Marlins, depending on uh, obviously where those fan bases are. But of course, a regional game creates problems because you have fewer fans nationwide, and uh, when you're competing with the NFL and, and other leagues, having a nationwide model really, I think, helps with growing the game. So with baseball, yes, there is a benefit that you have these deeply rooted fans that are in local markets, but what you really want is a national game. And of course, look, baseball is not losing money. They're not in a financial pinch. Uh, but I think they could stand to learn a few things from the NFL uh, in, in terms of its approach to the distribution of games. So, for example, the NFL has a national television strategy with streaming options. 
meaning that they have a few different broadcasters that you know sort of display the games. I think that's NBC, Fox, and um, and and uh, ESPN. And of course, they've also got um, uh, Amazon, right? But uh, and again, they've got some other streaming options that that sort of occur. Whereas baseball has had this sort of regional approach to the game, and uh, and, and particularly uh, as I mentioned with the MLB.tv application, you only really get to see out of market games. So uh, really, kind of as a detriment. Unless you have the cable package, you're not going to watch the game, unfortunately. So I think the numbers will actually be much higher, uh, for example, in Los Angeles uh, for viewership um, if it was more readily available. But of course, for the most part, you have to have the cable package through Spectrum to get it done. So my point here is, is that Major League Baseball needs to make its games more readily available to all markets and at all times. Um, and of course, this is why Major League Baseball has been teaming up with franchises um, that have struggled with the RFN, uh, RSN approach and to move more towards the sort of direct-to-consumer approach. So I think this is really a long-term strategy because a lot of the teams uh, are signed up for multiple years with RSNs. But I think as those continue to struggle, there's going to be some opportunities to insert some streaming opportunities and move more towards national distribution with larger broadcasters. Uh, and they might do that concurrently or separately or whatever the situation is. But something to keep in mind for this, I think a national television strategy would benefit Major League Baseball to move it away from a regional game. Because you're always going to have your local fans. That's not the problem, right? Local fans will be committed if they can have access to the games. Um, and so I think that's an important piece of this too, is to opening up the local market but also expanding nationwide to make it more of a national game. And in fact, it is called the national pastime, but uh, I think it's moved away from that. Many people might argue that the NFL has become the national pastime with soccer and basketball uh, quickly on its heels. The second piece may be a little more controversial, and this is this uh, sports betting operation. So there was some talk recently about Steve Cohen, who's the owner of the New York Mets, uh, wanted to use some of the cement area around the stadium because it's mostly a parking lot and a uh, subway a train running through it at this point or running by it i should say um, now of course the new york soccer club or football club does have uh, plans to build a stadium there as well next to uh, city field where the mets play but what cohen wants is to be able to build a casino next to the stadium and this is an interesting proposition because i think that for the states that allow sports betting, um, you know, there's clearly is an increased effort to place casinos and sports books next to stadiums and ballparks and arenas. And of course, sports clearly, sports betting particularly, clearly increases engagement, meaning if you put money down on something, you're more likely to follow it and pay attention to it and engage with it. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. The bad thing is, is that there's this concern of impropriety. There's also this concern of um, this idea of you know, people getting into debt from gambling. Those are always going to be issues with gambling. Um, on the other hand, it does increase in revenue and engagement for, this, for, the, for the franchises because it really essentially forces fans to spend more time and money near their favorite sports team homes, right? So I think this is sort of a balancing act. I think for leagues and franchises, um, you know, uh, there's sort of this push 
that, you know, sort of as, as sports betting becomes more normalized, we're going to see more of these deals being done. As again, we talked in the last few weeks, I think it was two weeks ago, we talked about sports betting as sort of like a pop culture thing. Uh, and to me, it used to be sports betting was so rare. You know, you went to Vegas, you went to a few other places. It was pretty rare. And then you had, of course, a, uh, a, a sort of black market, if you will, where uh, betting was going on behind the scenes, which shouldn't have been done. Um, but again, point being is, is that I think sports franchises have an opportunity to sort of utilize sports betting to um, increase, increase attendance, increase engagement, just provides more opportunities for people to engage with the team. And again, there's bad and good things to that talking about gambling. Um, and of course, this is especially true when you're talking about franchises that own the land or at least control development near uh, the home field. So uh, this is again why the big play for Artie Marino with the owner of the Angels was pushing to own some of that land around the stadium. Ultimately, that deal fell, fell through and I believe the mayor is now um, uh, still in jail or at least facing charges with regard to... Um, uh, some corruption there. Uh, but that being said, that's uh, being investigated and looked at. But my point here is, is that clearly the land around the stadium is very important. And of course, famously, the Dodgers do not own the parking lots around the stadium. When they sold, when Frank McCourt, the former owner, sold to the Guggenheim Group, um, obviously with Mark Walter and some of the other folks leading it, what the deal was is that um, Frank McCourt would keep the ownership of the parking lots. I will say some of the traffic has improved, but I think ultimately, I think the team would be wise to either develop some of that area with some additional bars and restaurants around there, which they've done uh, immediately around the stadium. And now you can walk around the whole stadium, whereas we weren't able to do that before. It was sort of sectioned off between the outfield and um, and obviously um, the main part of the stadium running from home plate down the foul line, you know, both ways. So... Again, I think sports betting um, is likely to go increase. It's likely to be continued to be used as um, a way to get people to engage with the franchise and essentially spend more money. Uh, but I think it's also a buyer beware situation and just to be careful with that. The next piece might be a little more controversial as well. And this is this idea of shortened playoff windows and more teams. Now, um, the facts show that Major League Baseball did lose some momentum in viewership this postseason, 2023. Um, and I think that the analysis there is that part of this is to do with the fact of how many days off some of these teams had. Uh, the Dodgers and the Braves, for example, uh, Orioles as well, uh, received um, sort of time off, right? And I think it was three of the four number one seeds in each of the leagues, um, except for the um, for the Houston Astros, uh, did not uh, move forward. I think there was actually, they were 113, uh, if I recall correctly. So I think there's been some call as to um, maybe that might be changed, right? And of course, there were even some teams who had an extra day off between games, um, uh, games one and two of the division series, which I, I thought I had never seen before. Now, the point here is is to 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 say this. It's nothing to do with performance, nothing to do with any of that. We're not talking about that today. 
we're, we're talking about um, this idea of making the game more appetizing, right? So uh, you have a situation where if you want Major League Baseball to increase attendance, it should really look at a couple things. The first, it should look at simultaneously speeding up the postseason with scheduling windows so folks are not waiting around. So whether that means shortening the series or shortening the time in between. You know, it's sort of funny when you when you're in the regular season, you're playing every day, except you might have a Monday off here, there, or Wednesday off, or what have you. And you're even having earlier time uh, start times on some days because you're doing traveling. And then all of a sudden you get to the playoffs, and all of a sudden you're supposed to be taking time off. It just doesn't make sense. And it's not good for baseball either because they really shouldn't be playing games into to November. With all due respect to Derek, Derek Jeter, who's, you know, Mr. November, right? But to me, I look at this and I go, all right, Major League Baseball wanted to increase attendance. They would look, again, at speeding up the windows, but also adding additional teams. And I think these two, these two things balance each other, right? Because on one hand, uh, the better teams would have an opportunity to play a lower level team in a quicker fashion, right? Even if they got a first round buy, but it might be three days maximum in a three-day series, right? Versus the additional time off. And then, um, especially if you kept the series in one place, three game was just in the higher the higher seeded team's home ballpark. Uh, so it gives the advantage of staying active, but it's also balanced with additional teams to contend with. And of course, as the postseason has shown, and the playoffs have shown in many different sports, is that sometimes the underdog wins, right? So it's a sort of a balancing thing of you give the advantage of hurrying up play, but then you also, which of course, benefits everybody, frankly. Um, but then it's also balanced by this fact of you have additional teams coming in, which, by the way, nothing more frustrating than a team, you know, losing a division or a wild card by one game, right? I could get it if it's five, if it's 10, but, you know, one game, be nice to have those additional teams come into the playoffs. But again, just an idea. Um, now, of course, it's also true that Major League Baseball um, and really professional sports in general, particularly with the NFL, Major League Baseball, but also with um, with the NBA and and with the NHL is sort of this idea of international expansion. Talk about Mexico and additional teams in Canada and teams overseas, particularly with uh, with the NFL. And you might have like a Europe division or you might have like additional teams in an Eastern division or whatever it is. But I think, and especially in football, it could work because you have a situation where um, you're playing once a week. So you could have additional travel there. And of course, we've seen the NFL uh, continue to expand and have more games in other places. But to me, again, the point here is, is that um, the key to success will be sort of great distribution. So fans across the globe and especially United States will be able to see the, the, the games being played and see the development. That to me is, 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 is essential to all of this, right? And of course, the NFL is an example of this to be able to have sort of this nationwide distribution. So um, we'll sort of if, see if uh, Major League Baseball takes a cue from this and um, decides to move forward uh, with some of these options if they haven't already which I think that they are, because I think there's evidence that they're moving towards national television production, or at least trying to move more towards streaming to increase distribution. There's clearly been an increase in sports betting um, operations being developed around stadiums. 
or at least near them, or at least having betting, you know, within stadiums like there is in Arizona, uh, mobile betting and that sort of thing. And I also think just from a practical standpoint, you shorten the windows, you add more teams. I think you just increase the intensity of the playoffs and increase the interest in it. And of course it wouldn't hurt to have traditional personalities in the game, you know, continue to get folks who are uh, very passionate and, um, you know, and really heroes to many people when you're talking about um, some of the players that folks come across and some of their, you know, heroes, people they look up to. So we'll see where this goes, but, you know, in other words, batter up, you know, major league baseball, let's see where this, uh, where this is taken and uh, see things, uh, how things will shake out. But uh, again, folks appreciate listening in as always. Um, thank you for making us number one sports law podcast in the world. I'm Jeremy Evans, your host of the California sports lawyer podcast. We talk about entertainment, media, and sports topics on the Believe Network. And this episode has been brought to you by Bet Online. And we we'll look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.